2: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis
3: Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris on today's Tour Catch-Up. Grigor Dimitrov wins his first title since 2017.
2: Rafael Nadal withdraws from the Australian Open. (laughs) And Naomi
0: Osaka and Emma Raducanu make their comebacks.
2: kim chris today is the 8th of january and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at tennis weekly hq it is a brand new season it is 2024 the tennis has begun and we are back refreshed and revitalized after the 2023 season for another 12 months of non-stop tennis how are we doing are we all excited
0: I feel like I just spoke to you last week, Joel. But
2: I think in the off season,
3: weren't you growing a? Isn't Is there an off season? I'm so no.
2: confused. Is there an actual off season in tennis?
3: It feels like yesterday we were at UTS in London, and yeah, Joel, you had quite a robust beard, but it's it's been it's been trimmed.
2: I have decided to trim it. Yes, Benoit Paire did give me some advice, and I chose not to. I chose not to take it on board. The beard got too itchy and i decided you to get a trim Is it is that what you're saying i could have grown it more but okay. I, I didn't want to but I, don't worry guys i've kept the mustache um which is a bit awkward because at work people just assumed i'm i'm, I'm just still doing movember
0: um right well and,
2: and no it's actually it's actually a choice
0: maybe the off season wasn't long enough for you to grow a beard is what i'm thinking <laughs> after that but you'll have to apologize to ben well the next time you see him for that
3: Well, we are back and we do have a new season that's already kicked off and got underway. Uh, Loads of players are back as well, including Rafa. Well, he's kind of back, but he's gone away again, hasn't he? So it's been a bit of a roller coaster week for for myself as a Rafa fan. Yeah, I must what, say, what, what are the
2: emotions, Kim, at the moment in the, uh, the the Kim household? Is it is it been excitement, tears? Has it been bittersweet? How have you have you been feeling?
3: I think yeah, excitement mostly that he's back, and then obviously disappointment that he's picked up you know this kind of niggling muscle injury. But I think based on what he was saying. It's still quite positive and he's looking like longer term, which is is good, I think. So we'll get on to all the the ins and outs of it in a bit. But I think just having Rafa back on a tennis court again just was, yeah, fantastic. I'm sure many of our listeners will will agree, even if they're not, you know, a massive fan. I think just having him back on the tour a lot of people were very very excited uh, but also Naomi Osaka back Emma Raducanu back so loads to chat through today with lots and lots of comebacks I on. know
2: and it is it is it is a tour catch-up as usual we're going to be catching up on all the tennis that has happened uh, we've got a path for the courts as well as usual we're going to be making some predictions uh, which I'm very interested to hear what Chris actually has not unveiled his predictions pre-recording so I'm, I've got no idea I don't want you to them i'm Joel. a little bit nervous actually what you're gonna come up with for your grandstand predictions i this haven't year. said sloane stevens i can promise
0: you <laughs> i haven't gone too rogue and i haven't well, said, I've said coco
2: goff just to just to warn you there i'd be
0: surprised if you go for anyone who isn't currently well number one <laughs>
3: <laughs> well i mean one thing we do have to mention before we begin is of course our crowdfunder because we are so very close to our two thousand pound target absolutely fantastic amount of support that we've received massive thank you to everyone who has donated and shown their support any amount that you guys can give goes a really long way to us keeping our our podcast going and keeping tennis weekly uh, what it is and and you know what it can be in the future so massive thank you uh, to everyone who has donated so far um yeah we've been blown away haven't we guys by the level of support yeah it's
0: been incredible and um it's been an incredible to see the different response from people and there's been some lovely messages there too so thank you very much to everyone who's donated however big or small or anyone who's listened it's just been great
2: and if you still want to support us and donate to the crowdfund it is still open the link will be in the description and i'm going to read it aloud now it is www.gofundme.com slash tennis dash weekly dash 2024. That's gofundme.com slash tennis-weekly-2024. So yeah, if you can help us reach our £2,000 target, we would be bouncing off the walls, I think, uh, if we can do that um, by the end of end of January. So if you can show your support, it would mean the world to us. And
0: we've been bouncing off the walls for another reason, Joel, haven't we? Um, because once again, we've been nominated for the Best Tennis and Racket Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. So this is something that we were very pleased to come runner-up in last year. and It's fantastic to be, um a finalist once again um thankfully i don't have a very very long link i have to tell you about but you can vote for us if you would like um that is in our description and then you just have to click to vote tennis weekly and then you just have to register so very very simple um the deadline is the 28th of january and so we will be telling you about that again and reminding you in case you don't have time to pause now and do that but um yeah
2: great news there guys Funny story, uh, when we found out that we were runner-up last year, I was on my way to watching Elton John uh, in, L- in London. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm hoping we can go one, th- one further this Ooh, year. Who so, will you
0: see? You need to see someone as epic as Elton I need as to go to see being, I know. I that mean, was the farewell well, concert. You need maybe Cher or something, you know?
2: I was thinking about Busted busted that, we'll are they that...
3: not muck busted these days uh, no i
2: think it, they've gone back to busted oh they're oh, pure wow. busted again right so, or maybe girls allowed at the o2 um, that would be good oh yes yeah. robbie um... williams
3: perhaps as well i think he's doing some gigs <laughs> maybe so. that'll
2: be the, the good luck charm but yeah listeners um again if you can help us and you want to show your support for the show then please vote for us in the sports podcast awards it would mean a lot to us and we would love to go one better this year
3: yeah, great stuff. Um and guys, moving on to the tennis now, we have tons to catch up on the first week of the new season, but also the off-season, albeit a short one. Um let's start with the off-season before we get on with all of the action uh from Australia and elsewhere so far this this year. What's been your highlight from from the off-season? It's been brief, but we've still had a lot of stuff happening. We've still, we still, still had a had lot, lot of tennis, Kim. We've still had a lot of tennis. still had loads of tennis as well. Lots of exhibitions going on. Uh, Joel, tell me and our listeners what your highlight from the off-season has been.
2: Um, I mean, of course, it was Jack Draper winning uh, UTS uh, Grand Final uh, in London. Uh, But apart from that, as you said, there were lots of exhibitions on and there was the World Tennis League in Abu Dhabi. I didn't watch much of it because I needed a rest. However, I loved a clip of Elena Rabakina dancing to a 50 Cent concert. I think 50 Cent was paid a lot of money. Probably a lot more than fifty cents uh, to play at the opening of the World Tennis League, and uh, there's a little v- video of Rebecca dancing to Inda Club, Club," uh, which I very much enjoyed. I didn't have her down as a hip hop head, but uh, yeah, she seemed to she
3: she seemed to be loving it a lot. Maybe Fifty Cent is the concert you'll go to see then when we when you find <laughs> out hopefully that we might have won the Sports Podcast um, Awards. Maybe I'll invite Rebecca because yeah, she seemed to be a seemed to be a big fan. Yeah, I did not have her down as yeah, like a hip hop kind of person, but I don't. I mean, I don't know what music I would have, you know, thought Classical. Of. classical. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> um, well, mine's my highlight actually is slightly kind of musical as well, um, or audio based i suppose as well i mean my highlight was probably annabelle croft getting to the semi-finals of strictly come dancing uh in the uk she did very very well i was quite gutted that she didn't get into the final but i think she made herself and her family proud with her performances so go annabelle i'm kind of following her a lot on social media these days and she's doing the strictly tour so um yeah, anyone who's into dance and tennis, go and see her on the on the tour around the UK. Relentless um, gigs
0: from us as recommendations yeah, today.
3: Exactly. Um, also, I for some laughs and out of curiosity, I went into our back catalogue to about five and a half years ago Why to the origins that, of, the, of the podcast to listen to the very first episode um, which was Joel going solo talking about British doubles players in Estoril and a stat wow. from the Uganda Futures Tournament. So, wow. listeners, we have come a long way. <laughs> On a bench. We don't give you stats from Uganda Futures Tournaments anymore but we do give you a lot more. So, I think um, we should be
2: bringing that back
3: maybe you could we used to do board stories all of mm. these things School
0: we, we could, board re-post, stories. We could yes. repost
2: that episode and you could
0: let yeah. us know if that's um a
2: format you'd like so. to come i mean back. I, I wonder how many listeners we have who who were there for that very first mm. um episode when it was solo when it was kind of like talking me talking i think for it was like thera- tennis therapy maybe. yes it was yeah. tennis therapy um and i was like actually i need a partner in crime and kim came on board
3: I did indeed. So yeah, listeners, let us know if you remember those days, because I um, had a days great... Days to
2: forget, I, I imagine.
3: Great fun going down memory lane, um, having a bit of a giggle at, at Joel in the early days. Uh, but also, on the subject of podcasts, a certain Caroline Garcia has now set up her own podcast called Tennis Insider Club. What? Uh, which I saw on social media, so I haven't listened to one yet. I don't know if she's recorded one, but... Um, yeah there's there's a new a new podcast to the game she's no longer a
0: friend she's is an enemy. she still is she's an part enemy. of the
3: renaissance I, I'm not sure oh she
0: could be the number one podcast on the apple ranking that could be fulfilling the renaissance there potentially yes, maybe that's
3: it, her her long term strategy to win the podcast game I'm not exit, sure
0: the exit game there I well, hope not, I, hope not. I, I think we could have done without that competition from a very talented French player especially <laughs> in a year where a lot's happening for French tennis but um I cheated on this. Um, This is from tennis from this season, but technically it is from 2023 because on the 31st of December, Dominic Team unfortunately, was playing qualifiers um, as he's kind of want to do these days. And... um, a deadly snake made it onto court, so this is obviously in Australia. So this is just part of the. Well, this is just n- normal day for an Australian, really, seeing a deadly, deadly snake. But it was a fifty-centimeter venomous snake identified as a deadly eastern brown snake that was spotted midway through his comeback victory over Australian James McCabe. So. I was watching the video for this That's and they crazy. Were not, they were not particularly panicked. They were kind of just flicking it around and actually they flicked it into the stands and no one was running away. Um, apparently they can get much, much larger than that. So this was small fry for the Australian crowd. But still, I mean,
2: does it get more strayer than that? How would you react to seeing a snake in the local vicinity? Because I'm not going to lie, I would run a mile.
3: If I was a fan there, I would be like terrified. It's going to asking gonna for be a refund. S- snakes in the crowd and in the is there stands. a snake policy
2: on the on the tickets?
3: Well, I've been to this tournament in Brisbane, and you know, I didn't even think about snakes at the tennis when I went. But if I went again, I'd be thinking twice.
0: What would you bring? Like a something to protect yourself? A snake detector, snake, oh, <laughs> snake <laughs> repellent. Yeah,
3: but yeah, the fact that it's a deadly snake, it's a bit different to sort of like a you know bog standard grass snake like we get in the UK. This is, you know, quite a big, long, deadly snake. So um, bless the person who spotted it so they could remove it before it did any harm um some eagle-eyed person spotting it but yeah I was shocked when I saw this news and I thought oh yeah that's that's definitely one for, was
0: made up almost yeah. for the
3: podcast to mention <laughs> yeah it's almost yeah like one of those April Falls kind of mm. um bit of an inauspicious style. start
2: wasn't it um in Brisbane and uh, for other reasons as well wasn't it Kim
3: yes I mean let's get on to the subject of Brisbane because uh, that has been you know the talk of of the town i suppose it's, well i hosted a 250 for the for the men and uh for the ladies it was a um 500 500 so slightly higher sort of caliber of, of player for the women but yeah i mean for the men's side we had rafa making his comeback uh and I Dimitrov. That. Wait,
0: what do you mean rafa's come back no. Yeah, did you not
3: did you not see Chris? No, I he, didn't uh, see that.
0: I haven't seen you one message uh, from you on the WhatsApp, Kim. No, <laughs> no, I wasn't
3: being like, oh, Rafa's back. I'm following <laughs> yeah. the scores at yeah. four AM now. Um no, helpfully he had all the night matches, I think, there, so it was sort of our morning. But yeah, he played two well, he played three matches, had match points to win the third, but lost to Jordan Thompson in the quarterfinals, then picked up an injury um after flying to Melbourne he's had an MRI and it's been revealed that due to a muscle tear he will now go back to Spain to get some treatment and then prepare himself for the clay season rather than continuing uh to play best of five at the Australian Open so sad for all the fans in Melbourne and for everyone obviously looking forward to him playing at the Australian Open but I think you know he seems still quite positive it's not in exactly the same places where he had the hip surgery and he always was focusing i think on probably the clay really um in reality so i think all is not lost and um we look forward to the clay and having him returning again to the tour
0: what did you think though kim of the tennis you saw how did you rate the comeback so far and and what what do you think he can do this year based on what you've seen
3: Well, I did allow myself to, when he had match points against Jordan Thompson, I thought, oh, could Rafa win this tournament? Which was way more than I actually originally anticipated. I thought he might struggle against Dominic Team, But actually, I was, yeah, fairly impressed with what I did see from him in those early matches. But I think, you know, as as that quarterfinal went on, um, you know, he had to go off court for some treatment. And, you know, you could sense that it's going to be about, I think, efficient tennis, isn't it? To kind of prolong what he does have left uh, on on the tennis circuit so I think um, yeah I was pleasantly surprised because I did think you know even in the first match you just never know how it's going to be how it's going to go so um, I think reasons to be somewhat cheerful although obviously not ideal that in the third match he's picked up this muscle tear um, so he'll be getting the best you know support and treatment so we hope that that will do its magic and he'll be back and yeah, I think just low expectations, though I think is the it's the way to go. Um, I was just pleased to see it back. Um, I have a good friend out in Brisbane who was able to see him as well, so I was very pleased for them. And um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, I thought also an interesting tournament with Grigor Dimitrov winning his first title since 2017. So a bit of a a bit of a blast from from the past as well with with Grigor defeating Holger Runa in the final.
0: Yeah, really surprising. I couldn't believe that um, the last time he won a title was the end of season finals. It's the longest anyone who's won the end of season finals has gone before winning another title. Um, And it just shows that Paris result at the end of last year wasn't kind of a flash in the pan. He really has got himself back on track when it comes to his tennis. So... Um, for me, I think it was kind of very refreshing because so often you see him in these close matches or these close sets and he doesn't, doesn't get it done. Um, he's been a little bit of a choker, I'd say, on the tour. So it's great to see this result. He's really pushing back towards the top 10 and he does like playing in Australia. So maybe there is a sort of um, a resurgence for him and he might actually be able to cause some trouble in Australia.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a really high quality final between the the pair of of Runa and and Dimitrov. I mean, Runa hit thirty five winners, only fifteen unforced errors, and he still came out with a with a loss because Dimitrov he just seemed to be firing on all cylinders, and um, you know his his single handed backhand is is utterly majestic in my book, and you know twenty seven winners, eight unforced errors. He is playing some of the you know the best tennis I think I've seen in his career. And um, he's going to be a real interesting threat, I think, come, you know, the Australian Open. I don't think we were sort of expecting, you know, to talk about Grigor Timotroth, uh, you know, up in these in these realms of of how far he could go in, in Australia. But, you know, he's been playing some very solid tennis over the last few months. And I think that's one of the, you know, it's almost one of the advantages, I, uh, advantages, I think, of having a, a short off-season is that if you are, Playing really well in those final few months of the season, there's not actually that long to wait to get back onto the court um, down under and um, keep the momentum think he's going. Just, yeah, keep the momentum going. And I think that's what he's doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was actually the second seed for this event, so it was a final between the top two seeds. But Grigor, you know, sailed through with the exception of of that sort of tough opening match against Andy Murray, where he did drop the the first set to to Murray. Which, you know, in light of Grigor then going on to win the t- the tournament, maybe doesn't reflect so badly on um, on Andy Murray. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on on what you saw from from Murray, Joel.
2: I think there's a little bit of trepidation with Andy Murray going into this season with every loss. I always just kind of think like is it is he going through his mind that you know the r word is is retirement on the you know on the horizon because you know he's he's quite plainly said you know if he's not enjoying his tennis then that is gonna creep into his mind even more. And, um, you know, he had a very tough match against Dimitrov, you know, he's still unseeded, you know, with his ranking and, um, you know, he's going to be out to, to getting these tough opponents in the first round. And although he started well, taking that first set, um, he wasn't able to to continue through. And although I think it was a promising performance, yeah, I think he'll be disappointed. He sort of ran out of steam in the end and... Um, yeah it'll be interesting interesting times I think for, for the Murray camp because there's a bit of uncertainty it, it sounds like to me like hopefully he can he can stay fit but with each loss I'm always kind of like oh what's what's going on in his what's going on in his head but I think the performances are still there
0: it makes me think that maybe Wimbledon is is the goal to get through to another Wimbledon um he did talk about whether this would be his last year on the tour he's been quite open about that um but I mean, we had some real highs and epic matches last year in Australia and he does love playing there. So again, we're hoping to get some more great results for him, but it's it's going to be tough. It's always going to be tough because you can see that anyone can kind of elevate their game like Dimitrov can, can really rise up. And when you're a player who's probably towards the end of his um, career in many respects, picking up those wins is few and far between. So I really hope this year he gets a breakthrough at a slam, like a really good... A really good run and a decent draw because he's obviously really competitive still because Dimitrov went and won the title. So um, he just needs that draw to open up for him, I think.
3: Yeah. And I also enjoyed seeing uh, Murray and Rafa on a practice court as well. Uh, So perhaps we'll see them at a Grand Slam actually playing each other again, we will see. Um, but let's look at the women's event as well out in Brisbane. Um, we had Elena Rabakina winning that one. Uh, pretty much very one-sided in the final against uh, Arena Sabalenka. So again, they were the top two seeds getting to the women's event. But Rebecca, second seed, uh, yeah, kind of only for the loss of three games uh, coming up against Sabalenka. I was not expecting that scoreline. They've had quite close matches, haven't they, previously? I mean, she just
2: steamrolled the whole competition.
3: Yeah, but you know, AO final last year was these two, close match. Is this setting the tone for Rebecca at the AO, do we think?
0: i think you've got to think her and and Iga are the favorites with this sort of a performance i mean she made one unforced error in that first set i mean this is one of those days i think she had one of them against radicando in the same tournament a few years ago where she absolutely blitzed radicando like one in love and when she's when she's on her game is just unplayable um, and she definitely demonstrated that i mean she just lost 15 games this whole week And it's Mm. only the third player since 2000 to drop three games um, against a WTA top three player in a WTA final. Um, And the only other players who've done it are Serena Williams and Flavia Panetta, believe it or not. So this is as good as it gets from a form perspective. And you just hope you don't peak too soon, but it is very promising going into a slam.
2: I mean, her serving stats in the final were fantastic. And I actually was really impressed with her her touch at the net Um, because I think we just, I just sort of, think about Rabakina from the back of the court, you know, blasting balls and hitting winners. But actually, when she came forward, she's she's pretty competent at the the front of the court as well. And and that was what I was impressed with um, against Sabalenka when you might not necessarily want to get into those rallies and you want to close off the point earlier. She has the capacity to do that. Um, And uh, that was what I was very impressed by. I mean, Sabalenka, I mean, she is obviously the the Australian Open defending champion. I would say this is more of a blip. You know, she had a good start. She's had a very good start to the season. But uh, I think Rabakina has certainly fired some warning shots uh, to the rest of the competition. Well, I was going to say
0: this is something that her coach has actually been working on a lot with her, um, Stefano Vukov, because it's a big part of what she does is trying to take the ball early on return and follow it. Um, the momentum in and I think that's something that has really been adding to her game and you've got to think you know when it comes around to the grass court season if you've got if you can land a higher serve percentage which is kind of the thing she struggles with the first serve percentage and you could back it up with a volley I mean it's almost sort of like the indestructible grass court game at work so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because it will also help her when it comes to some of these long matches and some of the struggles she's talked about of the long season, some difficult scheduling. If you can keep the point short, it's going to set you up for a, a much healthier year, potentially.
2: I mean, it's very exciting, I think. And just even in the first week, I mean, we've got Rabakina in the final. Sviontek was in the final with Poland on you know, in the United Cup. Sabalenka in the final. Coco Goff in the final. It was Auckland. one and two
0: in every every tournament this week.
2: Yeah, and and if you're talking about a big four potentially for the year, it's very exciting. I think already that it seems that they're all hitting the ground running.
3: Yeah, that it does bode well for a fantastic opening slam of the season as well. Hopefully, I was thinking perhaps we could have some young, you know, upstarts in Linda Noskova and Mira Ondreva. Mm. Um, they played in the in the quarterfinals with Noskova actually coming through, um, and then subsequently losing to Rabakina. Um, I think those two are definitely ones to watch um for this opening slam and obviously joel your recent interview with with matt from the athletic he was very much tipping mm. on Draiva for a slam final this year
0: well what about the the elephant in the room that we've forgotten this is not about size or anything like that it's about naomi Osaka's back i mean i feel like we did a big <laughs> nadal moment but naomi is back <laughs> there's
2: just loads of comebacks in this in this there's
0: too, to week, keep much. Much. <laughs> there's too much to keep track of but i certainly took notice of this comeback i think um, as much as some of the young guns are putting some good results together, I think we've got some of the the old school coming back, obviously Kerber in the United Cup that we'll talk about, but Naomi Osaka came back and she really did hit the ground running. Um, I thought it was kind of unbelievable, that match against Pliskova. 40 winners, 12 unforced errors.
2: Is that Pliskova just having an, an incredible day on the tennis mm-hmm. court? Or, or is that And, and we're not going to see that for... the next two months or so or or is that her again announcing like actually I've I've got some serious game here that I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing to Melbourne there's so much depth right in in the field I really believe that and
0: um for that match I mean Nomi should have taken it it's a bit like the Rafa match where he should have taken that um she had only took two of 12 break points whereas Plissica took two of two um 14 aces two double faults for Osaka I mean the numbers are unbelievable but it's just that match play of getting over the line in those key moments and and taking those chances which you can't practice on a practice court Um, so I would say again if we're looking at kind of a big four I think we're going to have to make it bigger, Joel. Are we having a big eight, a big seven?
2: Where do you put Naomi Osaka in, in, in that category? Because, you know, she came here. I feel like she's coming here and she's spoken about impress how, you know, she's coming with no expectations, going very relaxed on the court. There's no pressure. Is that when Naomi Osaka is her most dangerous? You
0: I don't want to see so. her nervous, do you, Kim?
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, when she stepped on court, won that first match against Korpatch, I thought could i predict her to win the ao i mean Ooh. strange things have happened could could she be at that levels that quick you know could can she compete though with shvonte rebecca who clearly seem to be mm. in good form I, i'm not sure but i certainly think she's got her in her i mean she's won the, the title twice before (sighs) who knows I mean but yeah what that what a great match against Pliskova in the the third round here
2: Ostapenko Azarenka as well I thought was a a fantastic match I saw already Ostapenko hitting the ground running with uh, dialogue um, with uh, the umpire uh, already this season some unsavoury words there but um, yeah there just seems to be a lot of players on the women's side who've just hit the hit the ground running and it's just making it very very enticing I think um, with the first grand slam just around the corner.
3: Yes, and more of that to come later. But let's look at the United Cup because, um, like you said, we had Kerber back in action playing for Germany.
2: What a match against uh of Australia in the semi-final. She won one match beautiful. and it was in the semi-final. It
3: was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> but Germany have won the United Cup, um, much to uh, Alexander Zverev saving two match points in his Singles tie, which became a bit of an epic against uh, Hubert Hurkacz in in the final. So Germany against Poland, Sverev coming through to beat Hurkacz, um, and then. Yeah, them coming through in the doubles Verov with Laura Ziegmund beating Sviontek and Hercas in the doubles and a super tie break to, to get their United Cup win um, Sviontek obviously beating Kerber in the um, women's singles as well in, in the final so yeah what did you make of, of I mean did we did we pick Germany I think we picked Poland prior hadn't we we said that's a really strong team with Sviontek and, and Hercas but had we had we picked Germany prior to this I
0: don't think so I think i maybe. maybe said something about australia potentially or mm. but norway did well i was gonna say we should, shouldn't talk about didn't that they, but they
2: turned up they turned up with like three people didn't they i think they were the only yeah, team. the least
0: number of people made it to the semis <laughs> but i mean i don't know how that happened because i mean casper's the only player ranked inside the top 500 but um love that as a result but i mean in terms of this being an upset obviously i think they were the number one and two seeds again from a, a country perspective and it's just a miracle that you know Zverev was able to stand on the court based on the week that he'd had, um, and you just hope that, you know, for a player that they will still be able to to play to the best of their ability because he has had all those injury issues coming back. But I mean, fighting fit, going to going to bed probably at three a.m. and getting up to play twice the next day, having played twice the day before, it's incredible.
2: I mean, fair play, to him because he played mixed doubles as, as well as the the singles and um you know to to have that match he had against her cash and then basically go up and, and do it again for the for the mixed doubles um yeah oh, the terminator was, isn't he yeah i was i was impressed with just how i think committed um he was you know for the for the cause and he was certainly i think one of the reasons that that germany were able to pull out the bag i would say also L- lara siegmund Great doubles player. I mean, she was also, I think, one of the reasons that that Germany ultimately um, I'm not
0: ultimately, sure ultimately Kirby triumphed. Would have stood the stood the <laughs> test on the, the doubles court.
3: Well, they um, they went to the deciding mixed doubles uh, three three ties in a row. So they they really you know did mm. kind of. Scrape their way through they also you know actually only came second in their their group and went through based on the percentage of games that they'd won so yeah germany kind of <laughs> getting Goodness. the job done in the, the hardest possible way it seemed um but you know that's that's how sport goes isn't it and fair I mean, play to them what do you
2: think of of the united cup as a as a format i mean as a let's be honest spiritual successor to the to the hotman cup when it was um you know in in australia because you know it had a few teething problems last year i mean there were a couple i guess this year with some late late finishes but um it seems to me that this this year they had a fantastic tournament big players played it we haven't even spoken about Novak djokovic yet um we had some thrilling entertainment and uh it put mixed doubles in the spotlight as well with it being you know the final decider in in quite a few of the ties
0: yeah i think it it is great fun when you get to those deciders and i think having so many great contests did lead it to being really entertaining really well watched and i think a lot of people were able to watch it which is great because um you know this is a great platform for men's and women's tennis where people are getting paid um sort of the same amount in this situation and they're working very much as a team so i think there's a lot to like about it and some of the the issues that we had last year you know where it got very confusing with three locations and four semi-finalists and the groups. I mean, we still got some very odd ones where pretty much, I think two of the three groups were three all and it went was, down to it percentages. It was very calculator mm. heavy, wasn't it? I mean, it, GB, it, yeah. I think,
2: finished, they finished last. Well, they, they did
0: great. They did yeah. one, one, lost one. And that was very confusing. So I think the nature of the three teams in a group is tricky. It's almost better that it would be kind of a, a knockout potentially, but... I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Cause then it would only be in one location. But I mean, it attracted the talent. It had some great matches, and the people got really excited about it. And there was some home home attention as well. Alex Dimitar did some something he's, pretty epic. He's into epic. the top ten. He's into well, the top as, ten. At, which one's bigger, beating I'm sorry, Djokovic? I see, sorry, I or top ten? Like, I,
2: I thought that was the epic. He thing. went yeah, up and placed right. in the ranking. Yeah, yeah.
0: what do you think I of think that? I think he'd
3: take the uh, win over over Djokovic. You to can be tell fair, your grandkids that, can't you? You can dine out of that for a while. Yeah. I mean, he defeated Djokovic uh, in straight sets, but Djokovic was seem to be struggling with a, a wrist injury. Are we worried about his wrist going into the AO? Do we do we think there's a danger he it will stop him defending his his title?
2: Oh, it's Ooh. tough. You you can never we know we've we've, did, we've, Kim, seen we've it been before. doing this podcast <laughs> we've been doing this podcast for for so long we know it, we we can never count out your predictions out. don't get that better that Djokovic. though jolly for
0: do it so long but you you do count him out i reckon yeah
2: um no, surely I mean, not. he will be thankful i think that there is there is time now um you know until you know until melbourne but um yeah it obviously wasn't great it's a bit of a fly in the ointment I don't know how bad it is but it seems to be an issue that he was visibly struggling against Domino I think Domino played great but um yeah it's it's hard to I'm still taking it with a bit of pinch of salt from from the Novak Djokovic side
3: yeah I agree I think we've we've as you said we've seen this many times before and he's come back stronger than ever so um Let's see where we are at in a, in a few weeks, but yeah, Alex de Menor, I think the star of the United Cup, despite Australia not, um, you know, not actually winning the event, he, you know, he got his third consecutive uh, top ten victory, be, you know, be- in beating Zverev, beating mm-hmm. Djokovic, entering the top ten, doing it on home soil as well. I think like what we saw from him at the Davis Cup as well. You know, I know he was obviously disappointed to lose in that final, but I think maybe that is sort of. Brought him, you know, really good energy coming into the start of this year. So I, I'll be intrigued to see if that's a factor in that. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's been a it's been a good, it's been a better United Cup and progress is what we want. Um, I think, you know, compared to this time last year, I, I enjoyed this rendition more.
2: I did enjoy also Igor Uh trading forehands with Sasha Zverev in, in the mixed doubles. Like it was just... It was very easy and she, you know, (laughs) she was just trading blows. It was so, yeah, I mean, she's also, I think, had a very, very good start. I mean, she didn't lose any of her singles matches. She got the time on court that she needed. Um, She was blasting players away at at times. And uh, again, although she's not in a traditional kind of tournament, but she's playing in a team setup for Poland, she still showed a level of tennis that makes me think, oh, is she the player to beat come the Australian Open?
3: Yeah, I think 16 match win streak at the moment. Uh, obviously second longest in of our to, career, I think. To last season as well. And uh, if it wasn't for, yeah, Huber Herkash not getting those match points, then Poland would have walked away with the United Cup as well. Um, there's been so much tennis in the past week. We also had a couple of 250s. We had the ASB Classic in Auckland, uh, out in New Zealand, where we had Coco Goff, the top seed, beating the second seed, uh, Alina Switzerland, <laughs> from a, a theme set down. Here. There's definitely, yeah, Top2C is doing it um, in all the tournaments this this past week. But yeah, Coco Goff coming from a set down to to get past Alina Svitolina, 6-7, 6, seven, six, three, six three. She's actually defended this title. It's the first time she's defended one of her titles. So it's another kind of little milestone you can tick off for, for Coco Goff's, you know, still very young career. Chris, what did you make of, of Goff's week in in Auckland?
0: I was hugely impressed with this because starting a new season, there's a lot of expectation again, especially post um, US Open triumph. And the way that she handles these situations is so different. Like she doesn't get too stressed and the forehand doesn't break down in the same way. I mean, she was hugely competitive in that first set and she was only making 46% of first serves. She rectified it and finished the max, which 65%, which is really impressive after kind of coming, um, well, coming from behind um, and really having to improve. So Um, And she almost won that first set. So I think it's very impressive. I think Svitalina's is playing some fantastic tennis. And I think it's this sort of problem solving that is something that she wasn't necessarily able to do in the first half of last season, despite winning this title. That was one of the the big sort of um, positive points of the first half of the year for her. So I think it's um, setting herself up to be a real threat. As Joel said, it's great to see the top women's players playing like top women's players, which is great. And um, so much great tennis on show this week.
2: I mean, it's outrageous that Coco Goff is 19 and she's got seven WTA singles titles. I think she's got eight WTA doubles titles as well. It's just obscene numbers, and uh, to to you know to defend her title um, that is not, regardless of of what level it is, that is not something that happens that often. So so to do that in your first tournament out of 2024, very very well done. It's four titles in the last six months. Isn't it? It's Washington. Crazy. Cincinnati, was
0: it, and then the US Open and then now in Auckland. So mm. I mean, I'll be really interested to see what she's like on Clay this year as well because it is her favourite surface, apparently. So
3: I mean, great stats. She's only ever lost one. Uh, WTA final, and when she's been the top seed at an event, she's never lost. <laughs> so just just keep seeding her one, and she'll she'll continue winning. Mm. But and yeah, then John will much predict pick... her
0: to win everything. <laughs>
3: yeah, she very much picked up where she left off, and, and positive for Elina for as well. Um, you know, she had some good wins during the week, uh, including one over Emma Raducanu, who's who was back in action. Uh, Emma so Selena looking good as wow. well going into AO. Out yeah, all Raducanu. The names. I know Radicanu.
2: Are we are we going to talk about Radicanu and the coach or are we actually going to be able to talk about Radicanu and her tennis on the court? Well, she has actual got actual
3: tennis. She has confirmed
0: her coach for Australia, I believe. I believe it she has gone back to a previous coach, but I mean the tennis from Radicanu was pretty pretty good overall I'd say. I was I was very impressed with her numbers in that Svitolina match and Svitolina actually made the comparison with uh playing against Iga Fiontek at Wimbledon in terms of the level that was played and the sort of match where it was being won through winners so I mean that's a huge compliment because Vitalina's played against a lot of very good players she's a very experienced competitor and you know to be playing that sort of tennis on your on your comeback week we have to think it's very positive there was some strapping though guys um so I'm a bit concerned she she is due to play tomorrow was going to be against Osaka in an exhibition. Osaka's actually withdrawn not <laughs> I thought it was, Raducanu. Raducanu was
2: going to withdraw yeah. same
0: and now Vekic is playing instead, but will she be fit? will she be able to keep up the fitness?
2: That is the big question still yeah it's it's always going to be the question isn't it i think it's 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 tough, but it was i mean promising. I think promising early signs. I think she just ran out of steam, you know, against against um, you know Svitolina in that second round. But um, I, I was, yeah, pleasantly surprised with the level, you know, that Radicani's brought. Given, I say, not just one injury, but I mean, having both having surgery on three both operations, wrists, three operations. Yeah, it's you know to think that she can come back like this, playing this tennis. I think for me, it's like she can only go. I think up from here she's starting at rock bottom given you know her ranking and you know we're seeing she's getting wild cards already. I think she's already I think today I saw she got wild card into to, to Dubai in February and uh, I think with those opportunities I'm just hoping that she can she can deliver because um, you know she's been off the tour for so long. I think she'll want to feel like she's got a point to prove and show everyone that what I think a lot of people might think is that that US Open that run to the US Open title she wants to prove that it's, it's not a fluke I'm here to stay and um, I think this is the season she will she will want to showcase that
0: and that's what's so nice about seeing Raducanu and Osaka come back because they are such big earners that they don't have to do this they're doing this because they want to and I think that's something that's very different about watching them play is that they're doing it for one the love of the game but also because uh, for Osaka it's making her daughter proud and for Raducanu it's very much he's got unfinished business on the court so it makes him very very dangerous i think and it's going to make for a fantastic year of stories on the tennis court
2: i will have to ask you we've had a lot of comebacks uh, this week which comeback were you most impressed with i'm oh this is tricky
0: i thought yes, that's that naomi a tough one, Joel. i thought naomi would be very good Raducanu, Is it angie like, kerber it's angie kerber isn't it getting bageled in the final no um I I would say Rafa and that's what's so gutting about it for me because he he surprised a lot of people with how comfortably he came through his first two matches um and I really thought we would see him at the AO um but it's just such a shame so I think he was the biggest surprise package for me and I was very very impressed
3: yeah I can't not say Rafa either no offense though to the others because I think they all did fantastic and I think not um, Marin
0: Cilic I'd say (laughs) <laughs> Missed nine match points. That's the only thing I would say, Kim. We can't... We'll say, we'll say Rafa and he gets a special mention for the worst comeback.
3: Yeah. Sorry, Marin. <laughs> um, Good effort. Looking... Okay, moving on to the Hong Kong Open, um, which was a 250. Um, yeah, out in Hong Kong, Andre Rublev uh, won this one against Emil Rusevori in the final. But yeah, this is where Marin Cilic uh, lost his many match points uh, against Jan Ledderstruff in his opener. Uh, but yeah, Andre Rublev getting the job done, six four, six four against Rusevori. Uh, this is his fifteenth title now, uh, his tenth on this surface. Very comfortable uh, victory, racking up another 250. Um, I mean, Rublev, you know, we saw him at, at the UTS event. Uh, we saw him get very angry at the UTS event. I hope he was a bit calmer this week in, oh, in Hong Kong. Um, Joel, any thoughts on, on
2: Rublev's week? I feel like it, it wasn't pretty at times. You know, you had a few tricky three-set victories, but um, I don't feel like we learned a lot um, you know, from from Rublev winning a 250. I think, you know, in this sort of draw, yes, he can be champion and it wouldn't surprise you. I think there's bigger and better things to come from him from this season. And um, yeah, there'll be bigger fish to fry hopefully later in the year for him. Um, but this is a good a good start. And, you know, away, I guess, from the noise of, of, of what's going on in Australia, it's nice to get a title under your belt, give you that confidence. I mean, I feel like him more than anyone else, hasn't had an off-season at all. I feel like all I've just seen him do is play exhibition events and go from one tournament to the other. So I don't. I just hope he doesn't kind of burn out at some point. But it seems to be that he's riding a wave of momentum at the moment um, when he steps onto the tennis court. And um, yeah, he'll hope that that confidence can take him to new places, particularly when it comes to, to ground slams, because that for him is going to be the objectives this season because we know we can do this. We know that he can do this, um, you know, at a 250 level. He did it last year in the Masters as well. He's got bigger things to come.
3: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you do sort of think, is he inevitably going to burn out at the quarterfinals of a slam where, you know, he really needs to surpass that stage this year. That that will be his his big goal. And it's all very well racking up these 250s. But does that, you know, how does that tie into achieving that that slam breakthrough. Um, another note, I know I saw Liam Brody was in the draw here. Um, mm. Yeah, he nice to see him to qualify, yeah. yeah, but he is out of the AO. He's picked up um, an injury. He's going to head back um, home to the UK. So he's withdrawn from Aussie Open, qualifying sadly. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to a close for the first half of today's episode. Loads of tennis to catch up on, but there's loads uh, still to come in the second half where we'll be discussing... Roger Novas Australian Open wildcard snub. uh, Whether tennis balls are causing too many player injuries and we'll also be making some amazing predictions for
1: the year ahead. So do not go anywhere. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
3: Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly podcast, and now we're going to move on to very excitingly the first of the season, the very first par for the courts with Joel twenty twenty four. It's opening with a bang. First par for was the course. What have you was got this for in, us, Joel? Uh,
0: the podcast from five years ago, Kim. Was it par for the courts back then, or what was it? Joel testing it Joel. He won Joel every, every, himself, every round. What, he won. what
3: did we do? <laughs> yes, a question,
2: and yeah. I would win yes. <laughs> every time. I what did we start with? Was it mysterious player? I, I forget.
3: That was our very first game. That was our very
2: first game, wasn't it? I'm sure it was, yeah. Well, it is a path of the courts back and forth for both of you. It's a clean slate this season, Kim. I hope you'll be relieved, I feel, to know.
3: I've got a chance,
2: have I? You've got a chance. No, no, no. I think (laughs) we should remember everything that's happened before. Kim, don't forget. (laughs) I am actually worried that you will get 100% um, on on this path of the courts. I've got for you. But we shall see. I do have... Have
3: you made it that easy, Joel? I do have a
2: tiebreaker question in case uh, that does happen but uh here is here is the category for you um so 2023 has ended and sportico announced their highest paid women athletes of 2023 and in the top 15 nine of them were tennis players and I would like you to name me the nine tennis players were in, that were in the top 15 highest earning sports women of 2023. And I know what you're going to ask me. Yes, it includes salary uh, stroke winnings as well as
3: endorsements. Okay. Ooh. That was my number one question. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Going first. There you
2: go. There are nine correct answers here. And uh, yeah, who wants wants to go first?
3: I'll go first. Why not? Oh, that's Um, that's the the confidence I like
2: to hear, Kim. Okay.
3: Um, So if it includes endorsements, oh, this is, there are some players that haven't played at all, really, but would probably still be on this list based on endorsements, I think. Uh, And the sort of market that they appeal to, especially. So, oh, Naomi Osaka?
2: Naomi Osaka is a correct answer. Yes, you've got you've got part of the courts 2024 off to a good start. Phew. Chris, it's uh, over to you. I did see a headline, but I don't
0: I think it was Forbes maybe, so I'm not sure if it's the same list, but I was pretty sure there was some some outrage because, you know, Jack Draper got a big paycheck from UTS, but Emma Raducanu brought in <laughs> the serious bank without really having to hit a tennis ball. So, I'll say
2: Emma Raducanu. Correct. Yes. Emma is on the list. Kim, back to you.
3: Does it have to be active players or can they be retired? Sorry, that's another question. They're all active players. Okay, fair enough. Um, Who are you going to go for? Serena? (laughs) Serena, yeah. Uh Yeah, okay, fair. (laughs) Uh, Or Sharapova, I suppose, even in theory, maybe. (laughs) Um, Well, surely this person still would be on this list. Iga Svjontek.
2: Correct. Yes, Iga Swiatek is on the list. It's probably so got to be three.
0: the most marketable teenager in tennis. It's got to be Coco Gauff.
2: That is a correct answer. Yes, Coco Gauff is on the list. And perhaps surprisingly, she is number one. She is above Iger Shviontech, um who's mm. at number two.
0: The US Open prize money is probably bigger than Ronan Garros. Maybe that's it, edged it for her.
3: Arena Sabalenka Correct.
2: Yes, Arena Sabalenka is on the list. So you've got the top 5 uh of the the t- tennis players. So it's only so it's getting harder left. from here then. Yes, there's four left.
0: I'm going to go just on, you know, the interest that Pagula gets from you know, the family wealth alone would probably put her in the list. But <laughs> I think she earned some money on the court as well. So i say Jessie Bugula.
2: Jessica Bugula is a correct answer. Yes, on the list.
0: I'd quite like you to get this wrong, Kim, now. I yeah, don't no, have I'm, anyone else.
3: Well, I'm thinking this player did, you know, do quite well. But because of the geographical region, especially that they're from, I assume there would be a lot of sponsorships in A certain area. I might not see them, but she would get stuff over there. So, Anjibor,
2: Onjibor is a correct answer. She just got on the list at number 15. (laughs) So, you are correct. Kim is in the lead. There is big pressure here on Chris. There are two correct answers left. I'm slightly nervous you're going to get both of them, but let's see. I, I'm going to go for, based on what we have said
0: previously, pretty much the whole of the top five are there. I don't think we've said Rebakina,
2: So I would say Rebakina. Elena Rebakina is a right answer. So that is four apiece. One answer there between is us. one mm. answer left. So we're going to go back and forth until we get this right answer. Okay. Just say Serena, go on, Kim.
3: <laughs> no, she's not an active player, I'm not allowed to. Uh is no. Oh and actually just I'm gonna
2: give you you're gonna get three you're gonna get three goes at this each before I give you the tie break. If you've you've got three goes each, if you both don't get it, you get the tie break to settle it. Mm, but what if Kim
0: gets it and I don't get a chance to go?
2: Oh, that's tricky. That's that tricky. Is tricky.
0: We'll deal with it when we get there.
3: How about because this person won a slam Marketa von Drusova? Would that be sufficient? Well, that's
0: a good guess. Because she might not
3: have that much
2: She got a,
0: sponsorship. a new clothing sponsorship deal.
2: <clears throat> that is incorrect. It's not Marquette. Oh, Andrews. Damn. So Chris, an answer for, to this win. Is this for the win?
0: Oh. Oh, this is not very easy, is it? Um, if I If I had to say the only name I can think of is someone who did very well who came up at the same time as Radicanu, and I'd go for Lena Fernandez because I think that she still has quite a lot of future earnings ahead of her and she has some big deals I think um but I don't think she made enough probably to make the list but that's why I- I'd say that
2: that is a correct answer
3: oh, you have won it's the first
2: par for the court's Back and forth of the season, what Leila was Fernandez was number 13 on the list. Yeah, perhaps the most surprising name, I would say, but yes. Um, Coco Goff, Igor Fiontek, Emma Raducanu, Naomi Osaka, Arena Sabalenka, Elena Rabakina, Jesse Pagula, Leila Fernandez, and at number 15, Ons ball.
3: Oh, well, there well, well! Wow. wow, I mean,
2: endorsements certainly to make up a lot of that. End. Based on that list, yes, that was very, very. that was a very tight one, very, very close.
3: Well done, Chris. No, that's full credit to you. I would never have said Fernando. So, fab answer there, um, listeners. Let us know how you got on with that. Kickstarting the season off with a par for the courts. Thanks, Joel, for devising it. And let's dip into our mailbag now, because we've got a question from Jess on email, who asked us, uh, Hi, Tennis Weekly. With the new season kicking off, I would love to know your predictions for Grand Slam champions, the Olympics, and your year-end world number one on both the ATP and WTA tours. So thanks very much, Jess. Um, it's time we put our thinking caps on and uh, crystal go, go, go balls. golf for everything. Koga golf for everything, perhaps. Um, perhaps that you know. Well, why not? Um, so let's have a stab at who we think is going to win the big, the big bucks this year on the court. Okay. Um, let's go tournament by tournament. I'd, I'd completely forgotten the Olympics were happening this year, so um, we'll, we'll throw them in there as well. Uh, let's start with the men, and I think I'm just going to say it the, on the tournament. clay.
0: By the way, is the Olympics on clay? I've assumed it is. Yes, Paris okay.
2: Olympics.
3: Roland well, Garros, right. fantastic. Uh-huh. Yes, which makes a nice change because it's been hardcore since forever, it seems. Um, so let's—I'll—I'll st- I'll say a tournament, and then we're just going to go round in turn and, and we, you say a tournament, and we'll winners. say Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, right, Australian Open.
2: Novak Djokovic.
0: I've gone for Yannick Sinner.
3: Oh, uh, oh. Well, with Djokovic's wrist, that could be likely. I've gone for Novak Djokovic, though. I can't bet against him. Uh, he's won it, what, 10 times? so I,
0: I know what you won't have gone for for the French Open. You'd never say Nadal in case you jinx <laughs> it.
3: Yeah, so French Open, I've gone for Novak Djokovic again.
2: <laughs> I've gone Rafa. I'm Ooh. regretting that already, but I'm going Rafa. I went for Djokovic because he loves, having not
0: won the Australian Open, he loves a revenge win, you know.
3: Oh, you've really mapped it out then. Um, I, I've gone through okay. the
0: emotional struggle they're going through throughout the year.
3: Wimbledon? Joel?
0: Djokovic. Can't, it Chris? can't be anyone else. Oh, Alcaraz is going to defend that title. I'm really? positive. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh.
3: I've gone Djokovic. I think he's claiming uh, he's going to kiss the grass Alcaraz again. Alcaraz defending
2: Wimbledon title. Oh, I'm not sure about that, but okay.
0: I'm not sure about any of these, Joel, but here we
3: are. <laughs> <laughs> US Open? Chris?
0: I did go for Djokovic again for this one. I went for 50% of the slams to him.
3: Okay. I was tempted to go 100%, but I've avoided. I've gone for Yannick Sinner for the US. Joel?
2: I've also gone Yannick Sinner. The US Ooh, Open. Is he particularly, great on those courts though? Look, particularly after the Olympics, there's going to be some random freak result. And I think it's always time for a new Grand Slam champion. That's why I'm going Yannick Sinner.
0: I should have put Jack Draper or something. I shouldn't have but a really rogue one. <laughs> ben Shelton? I would
3: love to ben see Shelton?
0: that. Me too. Oh, Ben Shelton could do it. But we've gone quite safe, haven't we? No one's gone outside of, is it three, four names, including Nadal.
2: Mm.
3: And for the Olympics, Joel?
2: I've got Carlos Alcaraz uh, winning the Olympics. I think best of three format will help him there.
3: Chris?
0: Well, I mean, I've gone for Adrian Manorino on French home soil, Wow, um, you know, wow. heading into the top 20 for the first time in his career this week. Um, no, I didn't do that. I went for Yannick Sinner uh, on the back of his Davis Cup performance. I think he will do very well playing for his country again.
3: Nice. I've gone for Sasha Zverev. Um, perhaps Defending
0: of- his Olympic title. Of-
3: recency bias as well yeah with the united cup but yeah okay. i've gone for zverev so didn't
0: see that one coming kim
3: heavens above uh and year end number one joel jokovic yeah i've also gone jokovic chris
0: mathematically we have to otherwise we're very bad at understanding the ranking points <laughs>
3: <laughs> does anyone so
2: really a- understand the ranking points no
0: a
3: clean sweep for jokovic there okay so on to the women i think we've got fairly similar predictions um for the men but i feel like there could be maybe some more rogue entities in the women uh right australian open joel who's winning
2: Wozniacki. no um <laughs> uh coco goff sorry coco goff
3: and uh chris
0: oh that is a good prediction joel i was tossing up between coco goff but i went for svitolina i think she's gonna bring it home yeah what? i do oh. i was really really impressed with her this week
3: yeah she was good she yeah she's definitely got um i she's mean got- i'd love to see it that would yeah. be a great story what a story yeah I've gone a bit boring, I suppose. And I think the win streak's going to carry on and it's going to be Iga Sviontek getting her first AO.
0: So no other than Sabalenka or Rabakina. Interesting. Well. Have any of us gone for them? No, I don't think so for this one. No.
3: French Open? Joel? Do we
0: need to do this? Sviontek. Sviontek.
3: Sviontek. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, Clean, Move sweet. on, move on.
0: <laughs> we don't know what Vukov is doing.
3: I've, I've gone Sabalenka. Oh, Really? Ooh, okay, yeah.
0: I, I was liking the look of Rebecca in volleys, so I'm going to go for Rebecca in to
2: pick up another one.
3: I've gone for Coco Goff to uh, to do it on the grass.
2: So no one no one was brave enough to say on's your ball?
3: No. I think, <laughs> oh, Third time I, lucky, maybe, think, but... Think, oh, it's
2: tricky, isn't it?
3: Ooh, maybe she'll prove us wrong. Uh, US Open, Joel? I'm
2: not sure about this one. I've said Iga Sviontek mainly because of her fitness and how attritional I think this season is going to be. But I'm not really that confident on that, but I'm I'm going to say tech
3: I've gone Arena Sabalenka because I do think she's going to get a slam this year. And if it's not AO, I think it would be the US. What about you, Chris?
0: I've gone for returning Grand Slam champion
2: Serena Williams.
0: Oh, no, Emirati I was going to do. do Serena Williams, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I did a soccer. I went for a soccer. Asuka, Ooh, nice. Okay,
3: okay. I think okay. she might
0: need a bit of time just to get herself back into top tier contention.
3: Mm-hmm. Olympics then, uh, Joel?
2: I've gone Chianté. I think she's going to do the, the the Parisian double um, at Roland Garros.
3: Yeah, I, I've put Osaka and then I realised it's, it's, it's the clay. clay. So yeah. She oh. said it's a
2: big focus for her, but
0: I'm not sure if yeah. uh, it's the right one.
3: I'm gonna stick with it. I'm just gonna go out there. Uh but I suppose yeah. I feel like it could yeah, I do think it's gonna be someone that's perhaps not Shiontek. I think I think we need to look slightly outside the box well, for the Olympics. Kim, but...
0: It's like you've just set me up perfectly because I've gone for the woman who beat Osaka at the last Olympics. I've gone for silver medalist Marhetta von Drusova.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah, well Always former French well Open for finalist. So exactly. she likes the clay. And year end number one, are uh, we all thinking the same here, perhaps? No, no, Chris isn't. I'm going for Sfiontech. I think consistency is key.
0: Sfiontech. I've got for Rebakina.
3: Rebakina? Wow. But she's not winning one of your slams.
0: She won Wimbledon. Uh, she, she won did. Wimbledon for yeah, you. She, she will she, win Wimbledon. She won it without dropping a set. <laughs> That's also something I wrote here.
3: Oh right, okay. Yeah. I like the detail there. So yeah, Jess, we've done predictions, listeners. What do you? What Let's do you think that of those? I hope that wasn't Jesse Pagula,
0: and <laughs> we haven't predicted her to do anything.
3: <laughs> So's JPEG. Um, yeah. Well. Thanks so much for sending in your uh, question to the mailbag. Keep them coming. We love to see what you guys want to know and what you're thinking of. So please do keep asking us. And um, I think we'll probably publish these predictions on our socials at some point so everyone can see them as well. Um, but let's have a quick look at some of the talking points from the last week as well. Um, there's been a, a news article on tennis balls um, and specifically that the differences of, of in the balls across the season and how this results in a lot of injuries for, for players. Um, There's a lot of change from one tournament to the next with the different types of balls that are used. And, and that essentially a lot of players have come out to say that that does not help, um, you know, physically um, because they're switching to and from different balls, different weights, different, different um, ways that they play. Um, So a lot of players have come out, Kyrios being one of them um, to suggest that, you know, Perhaps there's more consistency with the types of tennis balls. Joel, what do you make of this? Are you in agreement? Have you, you know, is this something you've experienced from your playing days? <laughs> I perhaps? mean, I,
2: I've not experienced it from my playing days, but I mean, watching it as a fan over the last year or so and seeing how the the players comment, um, this is not a new issue. It's, it's a conversation I think that's just been going over the last, particularly over the last. Eighteen months or so, and you know, I feel like one by one, we're seeing more and more players add themselves to the conversation and basically say, you know, the chopping and changing of tennis balls throughout the year from tournament to no tournament—it's just not good for the the body, and it's leading to these problems. And although it might not be a solution or a problem that tournament organisers want to hear, who have their partnerships and uh, relationships with you know their own ball manufacturers. I think it's something it need, that needs to be addressed. And I think that whoever it is, the I would assume the ITF or the, the rule makers of tennis, someone needs to come in and give more guidance or be more s- strict in terms of, you know, what is going on with the, the tennis balls and how, you know, how they are used. Because at the moment, I think, you know, there are quality of balls that gets criticised. And if they are, you know, fluffing up earlier or they're not a good tennis ball, and they're slow or they lead to longer matches like you know we saw in in brisbane i think that from a tournament organizer point of view that might mean that yes it's more exciting because the match is longer but you're putting players health at risk and you could ultimately lead to a situation like rafa you know tweaking his hip and being out of the first grand slam of the year so i think it's an issue that needs to be looked at i guess i get that it's not an easy one to fix but i think uh, the rule makers like the itf need to come in and maybe even minimize be like right on this surface you've got three tennis balls you can choose from and and maybe that's a solution it might not be to everyone's liking but it certainly i think would be would help the players you know manage their workloads a bit more and uh yeah make sure that their bodies aren't on the line for reasons that uh, are out of their control
3: and chris what do you think
0: I mean, if you explain it to somebody, they'd think you were mad, you know, saying all these different types of balls that people play with and them being significantly different. So it doesn't seem like it makes sense for players. It doesn't seem like it makes sense um, in terms of getting to watch the best people play from a fan perspective either. So, I mean, Nadal had some pretty strong words saying that the ball was far too big um, by the end of the first set that he was playing and it wasn't playing in the proper way. So he said it was um, dead until they had a change uh, a change of balls new balls in so I think if Nadal's saying that I think there really is something fundamentally wrong with the ball that they're playing with um, in Australia because I don't think that lends itself to, to, to better matches or or happier players so it would be good as you say there is a selection of balls for the surfaces and then all the warm-up tournaments play with them but they are as consistent as possible uh, and appropriate for the surface, and I think that the u s opens done that pretty well. I think the French has just about got it right, but um when you go from one hard court to uh, one hard court location to another, I mean we shouldn 't be changing the ball completely,
3: yeah. No, I I agree with with you both as well. I think it's uh, definitely some extremely valid points, and it'll be interesting to see if anything you know um, comes of this, and you know, to tackle this and to help the players out a bit. And um, let's look now at the subject of wildcards for the Australian Open. Bit of controversy here. Arena Rodionova, who is Australia's top-ranked women's player, has been snubbed uh, uh, in getting a wild card. She has had a Pretty good run of form, um, sort of late last season into this year. She's won more matches than any other Australian women's player, yet has not been given an Australian Open wild card. Uh, the final wild card went instead to Daria Saville. Um, obviously, the, the host of Aussie players have, have received wild cards from Tennis Australia. Also, Caroline Wozniaki, Elise Corne getting wild cards on the women's side. But Roger Nova has come out to say that um, she has, well, she says that she wished she could say that she's surprised, but. Um, I don't think she is basically, but she's going to go to Qualies instead because she says the satisfaction of achieving it all absolutely on your own, despite all this stuff, is worth it. She's and she's pumped for Qualies, She says, um, but what do you guys think, um, Chris? Do you think Roger Nova should have been like a dead cert for for a wild card, given that she's currently at her career best ranking? She's only just outside the kind of direct entry, and she's um, been doing super well of late.
0: Yeah, I think. If I was her, I I would feel very similar. I mean, are we surprised? No, she did predict this even before this happened. I think that they should look at um, the fact that they did award three, no, four, sorry, um, Wildcast Australian players, uh, as you mentioned. Um, and you think that the Australian number one would be one of those players, irrespective of her age at 34. And it does feel like it's a preference of some of the younger players um, or the players returning from injury as opposed to the form players. And again, um, when you do look at some of the, uh, the numbers behind it, I mean, they are all outside the world's top hundred. So even having, you know, the, the wild cards being given to the Australian players in this way, I mean, it's not necessarily adding to the draw necessarily where you might get wild cards more typically like a Caroline Wozniacki returning who is unranked in this sense, Um or someone who doesn't have a special ranking whereas Naomi Osaka obviously can enter on a special ranking. So I do think it's a shame I would have given um Nova the wild card personally and I think it does kind of just say that you know if you aren't a junior or more junior than she is then you're not going to get the opportunities no matter how many matches you play or how much you you play for your country on the tour.
2: Do you think it's fair that like age counts against you if you're 34 when it comes to wild card selection? I
0: think it should count for her at this stage of her career, the fact that she is the number one um, and that she is putting the results together. And, you know, I think if it was in the UK, for example, I'm not sure that you wouldn't have got it based on your age. I think it would be done based on, you know, the British public would really want to celebrate someone who was having that sort of a story. So it's, it's a shame. Um, and I think it, it does come down to, you know, the experience that these younger players might get and might be able to take to um, future tournaments.
3: Yeah, I mean she she is at her career best ranking and uh she's only just missed out on cracking the top 100 and for the first time. So I mean although she's 34, she's at a career best. So she, it, age shouldn't really be a factor, but and we you know a lot of players are playing way past that these days. So yeah, Perhaps, um, well, I'd be interested to see what all the other wild cards actually do when let's they hope get there. let she qualifies, right? And if she qualifies, <laughs> and maybe they're <laughs> yes, drawn well, in I mean, round one and tweet she beats she, one of them.
2: That tweet she put out, uh, she, it, you know, she obviously feels like she's got a point to prove and is is pretty pumped mm. up. So she's put yeah. a little bit of pressure on herself there to, I think, to come through qualifying now.
0: And if she doesn't, she definitely will not be getting that wild card next year after that tweet. <laughs> no. Yes, yes.
3: <laughs> No. Well, let's have a look to see what's happening this week before the big... Uh, you know, the big show commences next week with uh, the Australian Open. We've got four events this week, the WTA uh, 500 and ATP 250 events in Adelaide. Plus, we've also got a 250 WTA event in Hobart and a 250 ATP in Auckland. So, um, Adelaide, we've got Rebecca as the top seed, JPEG as the second seed. Interesting that Rebecca is playing both warm-ups tournaments well, she is barely that, had to hit a ball overkill?
0: over in brisbane i mean she she lost 15 games maybe she does need to warm up for the australian open
2: i mean just on this what are your thoughts on with seeing these 500 tournaments week before australian, australian in a row. open it's mm. a bit Push it feels back a bit much almost. yeah it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right to me i agree
3: i think one was fine but two is a bit a bit much if i was a player i'd probably play two weeks prior but not directly mm. the week before but i mean you
0: do an I'm emma player. <laughs> yeah and emma radicani <laughs> yeah. the perfect preparation
3: and then the atp 250 ben shelton is the top seed in adelaide and uh cam Norrie is the second seed so um well it'd be interesting if we got a, a top two seed final between with those two in adelaide um, personally that i think that would be pretty easy return
0: to the tour he's been hitting with rafa he's back in we also have Shapovalov is back as well, so...
2: And Ogier el like, what we, what are we expecting from him this season? I mean, last season was a... It was pretty much a season to forget, I, I feel. Mm. Well, he did win that
0: title and hopefully that's fresh in his memory as opposed to the the losses he had and... He's too talented not to be back in the top 10. I really yeah. believe that.
3: Yeah, come on, Felix. And sorry, that's Auckland, not Adelaide. Yeah, Cam Norrie playing in, in Auckland because obviously his his family out in New Zealand there. Um, but Adelaide does have Tommy Paul as the top seed. Nicholas Yarry as the second seed. And, oh, Seb Corder, who... Uh, well, I don't know what what to expect of, of Corder. I know in the past I've I've predicted him and had high you hopes, love it. but yeah, I haven't today. I haven't today. Um, and then Jack last Draper. but not least, yeah, uh, Hobart, yeah, Jack Draper as well. Jack Draper um, first could this be first today.
2: tour title? I I mean he's playing very
3: good tennis.
0: I at think the he did win it. I really do. Yeah.
3: he beat Byers comfortably today. I would I would love shots. to see Draper go on and on and on.
0: Well, let's see.
3: Let's see. I mean, Dan Evans, I think, also in action in Adelaide as well. Um, and then just, yeah, last but not least, Hobart. Elise Mertens, top seed. Joel, I know you like a wow. bit of Elise Mertens against there.
2: Dan, against Danielle Collins, unseeded Danielle Collins. Um, She's already won. Wow.
0: Well, there you go. Straight sets, yeah. <laughs> She's put down a marker <laughs> for the field. Mm. But uh, Sophia Kennan's taking that surely or dollar high, Joel. Exactly. Or, or Peyton Buscovers? Stearns? Peyton Stearns? Peyton Stearns has actually also gone out oh okay my time zones are, are all over the shop at the moment <laughs> you, can see, you can see which one I'm looking at the live scores for <laughs> it, it's not the ATP this week
1: Oh dear.
3: Well, so lots to happen. Um, we'll be probably catching up a little bit um, later in the week on those when we um, preview the Australian Open once the draws are out. That will be our next uh, episode. So you won't have long to wait to hear our dulcet tones again. Uh breakpoint Season 2, though, drops on Wednesday on Netflix. So if you are um, a Tennis Weekly fan in particular, if you're a big fan of us, you might want to watch Episode 1 in particular um we'll
2: leave it there we're not so going that's, say that's anything we're more we're saying <laughs> but yeah you might want to watch episode one uh in very very <laughs> in slow-mo we're, we're we're gonna be doing that anyway um but yes we're gonna we're gonna leave it there listeners thanks so much for listening to our first tour catch-up of the season remember to donate to our crowdfund the link is in the description as well as vote for us in the sports podcast award the link For that as well is in the description but for now i hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the tennis weekly podcast remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the atp and wta tours
3: We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. So if you like what you're hearing, then do make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. They really do mean an awful lot. And a big thank you to everyone who's left us a very kind review so far as well. We do love to to read them and it really helps others find the shows as well.
0: You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and X and the handle for them at Tennis Weekly Pod purchase tennis weekly merch etsy.com slash shop slash tennis weekly podcast you can email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website
2: tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back on thursday at tennis weekly hq for our australian open draw preview so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from kim goodbye it's goodbye from chris goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon